All the other things that I tried to hide or that I was afraid of, my past was like a beach ball that I was trying to push under the water. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with author Brooke Thomas, who says in order to heal, you're going to have to bring some things to the surface. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth Podcast. Hello there to all my OG listeners and purpose chasers. And to those of you who are brand new to the podcast, a big welcome to you. What you need to know about us is that we believe that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. In this community, we believe that wealth is all about well-being. And so we talk about well-being from several different perspectives. If you want to know what the six pillars of wealth are, that's what we're based upon here. Then I suggest you go back to those foundational episodes way back in 2017 in your podcast app and just get caught up. It's not too late. We're only like 90 episodes in. <laughs> but you can go back to those foundational episodes at the minimum and just understand what we're all about. I am so excited. I'm headed out to speak at Thrive in Las Vegas. Shout out to Cole and Sanjay Hatter for the invite. Eric Thomas is on the ticket, who is someone I have been watching for a long time. There's just so many amazing speakers that are lined up and ready to go. And I'm so honored that I get to be one of them. And then I'm going to head out to Atlanta immediately after that for Confidence Activated with my girl, Rachel Luna. You may have heard her episode a few months back. So, so good. It was in the March episodes, Powerful Women series. If you didn't hear that, get you some Rachel Luna this weekend. I'm going to be getting my life along with Angie Lee and Maya uh, Elias and a few others. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited to introduce you to this woman. This episode is, is kind of deep and you'll see why in just a moment. But before we jump in, I have to tell you who this episode is brought to you by. This week's episode is brought to you by the Radical Success Certification Program. Now, Purpose Chasers, if you feel like the purpose you're chasing is being an effective, impactful, and profitable life coach, then listen up because this is for you. My girl, Doreen Rainey, who is a friend of the Redefining Wealth podcast, is opening up the doors to her Radical Success Certification Program. Doreen has been a coach for over 10 years, well before it became a thing. You know what I'm talking about. She's taken thousands of people through her radical success method. So if you're starting or growing your coaching practice and you need a proven research-based curriculum to create deep transformation for your clients so that they can move forward to their next level, the coach training and certification program is your answer. This nine-month certification program is broken into four distinct parts, coaching profession, method, practical work and application, and growing your coaching practice where she breaks down everything from pricing to enrollment to fulfillment. This is not some program that's just teaching you how to ask questions. Being a profitable life coach is so much more than that. So when you leave the Radical Success Certification Program, you'll actually finish with a beginning to end coaching practice. So if you're an emerging or even experienced coach, who will no longer wants to wander around this industry, but actually have a proven system and structure to follow, then apply for enrollment at RadicalSuccessCertification.com. 
That's RadicalSuccessCertification.com. All right. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Brooke. She is the founder of Live Out Loud. Live Out Loud helps women navigate their business and personal relationships in a way that creates confidence, removes negativity, focuses on purpose and fuels passion surrounded by a strong creative network of high achieving women. Brooke has spent years mastering the idea of living out loud and standing strong for your purpose. Now she helps other women realize this concept in their own life through her mastermind programs and live events and retreats. She's a certified nutritional consultant and the author of the Thankful 30 cookbook series. Without further ado, here is Brooke Thomas. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Brooke. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I'm so excited. I have to tell everyone how we met. And that is at Lori Harder's Bliss Project this past year, um, where I had a chance to be a speaker. You were one of the first people who, well, many people had come up to me. But what I really remember about you coming up to me was you acknowledging how I owned my faith on the stage. Mm. Yes, yes, I love that. I loved everything about you and what you were representing on that stage because I was in the audience, you know, with a ton of women that just needed that in that moment. And I was really moved by that and drawn to that. Yeah, it was incredible. And and the reason that it really stood out to me was just because, you know, I tell this story from the stage sometimes about allowing people to put me in a box and allowing myself to be put in a box. And I just remember when I was first starting out, folks saying like, hey, you may need to curve your conversation a little bit about your faith. It's kind of confrontational. You're burying people's face about it. And I'm like, well, to me, I'm just being me, right? Like, I can't help that some of these terms or references come out. I can't change my story. My story is that I found the scripture, Proverbs seventeen sixteen, and it changed my life and it changed the trajectory of my life. Like that is the story. So to leave that out, I would be kind of betraying myself or right. would I, re- I would be doing you a disservice because I wouldn't be telling the full truth. And so, you know, people say a lot of things to me. Oh, you were so funny. Oh, you were so engaging. Oh, you're so this. But you were one of the first at that event to say, I just love how you owned your faith. And so that stood out to me. And we've been kind of connected on social media ever since. And I just appreciate you for that. So I'm super excited that you're here. Well, thank you. I am too. And I'm glad that that was what stood out because it was really meaningful to me. And I just, you know, I believe the same way. I believe that like, I, I don't think that it's ever offensive when you just own your truth. And that's what you were doing. And so it was beautiful. Thank you. So, you know, you heard my story about being on the bathroom floor, bawling and snotting and crying. And I had a chance to read some of your story on your website. And I'm telling you, I started reading Brooke and I was, you know, I liked the trajectory of where it was going. I was like, okay, nice girl, 26, (laughs) just got married, pregnant. And then it took a turn. And I was like, oh, this is the season where she's kind of like me on the bathroom floor, like not physically there, but definitely that wake up call. Can you talk about what took place uh, when you were pregnant and, and how that shifted everything for you? Yes, absolutely. So it was 15 years ago and I was 26 years old, newly married and pregnant in my first trimester, thinking that I had 
everything ahead of me in my business career. You know, I'd graduated business degree and I went to the doctor and they basically told me that I had stage three cancer. They told me that I had stage three melanoma based on blood work and what they found on my body. And they, it, was a, it was a process. I had gone in the day before and they were extremely concerned. And I was just like, oh, that's nothing. And they, they actually had me stay in the office. And then they told me I needed to come back the next morning and have an appointment somewhere else. And I realized it was an oncology um, office, um, an oncologist with them. And they all came in and they said, your husband needs to be here. And he was out of town. So we had to fly in and they said, it's very serious. And so I went in and they literally looked at me in the eyes and told me that they, that this was serious and that they would like me to do the first choice that they felt like was the best choice. And it was to abort the baby and to have chemotherapy. That's, that's the only option they gave me at the beginning and everything stopped. Like it was almost like that moment. I mean, I'm 26 years old and I'm thinking, okay, this is a joke. Like, this is not real. Or I was like, okay, can we just deal with this? Like after the baby comes, like I've got, I've got a baby to grow and deliver. And then can we deal with this? And they were like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, this is really serious. And we're going to give you, we're going to sit down with you for the next hour. And we're going to show you all the different cases that we know of women that were in your situation with this severity of cancer and this type of blood work and what their outcomes were if they didn't do anything. And it was basically like, the mom had died or the baby died or the mom and the baby died because when you're pregnant, melanoma spreads hard and fast because of the hormones. They didn't know any of that. It didn't really, you know, wasn't well-versed on any of that. And I just, in that moment, I just knew that that was not the choice I wanted. I was sitting there like, no, there's gotta be like something else. Like, can you just give me another scenario and something else that we can do? And so they said, well, we could cut the cancer out around the margins, we'd have to go deep and wide to make sure that we get enough out like now. And then we could reevaluate after the baby's born. But that's like the only other option we could do. And we have we would have to do it immediately. And we would have to do it without an anesthetic. Because I was in my first trimester of pregnancy, they they didn't want to be liable to, you know, if the anesthetic went to the baby, because the first trimester is like the most important. So they did say I could have some topical lidocaine, but that did not do anything because I basically, it was on my side and I basically had to lay on my side. Four people held me down and they put like this, it was like almost like one of those squishy balls in my mouth Mm -hmm. for the pain. And I literally had 50 stitches. Like... When you when you have 50 stitches and you're cauterized, like you can feel everything. Just trust me on that. And it was one of those moments where I just I just laid there and I I I, I it was like an out-of-body experience. Like I just I knew that that's what I needed to do, but it was one of the most painful moments of my life. And it brought up so much like over the next several months. In that moment and the several months to follow, I was more like in that shock mode and also like a mode that I had kind of gone into in my past where if anything bad had happened to me, I just kind of pretended it didn't. 
just like that protection mode, right? Yeah. So I went home and, you know, the re- like I was like, okay, it's gone. Let's just pretend that didn't happen, okay? And the reality is, you know, when you have 50 stitches on your side and you're in your first trimester of pregnancy, as you grow into your second and third trimester, thank goodness my husband's in medical sales. So he had like the best bandages and the best things to like take care of me. However, it was a really hard time because I literally, as just as I was growing and being reminded of this pregnancy and being thankful for the pregnancy, I the every time like the stitches would stop start to pop out and it was starting to just it would just open up and it would keloid. I mean, it literally looked like a shark attack by the time I was fully pregnant. It was so big, so red, and like just you know, just it had keloided. It was just so awful. It was such a big, ugly reminder. And I, I really, really hated the scar at the beginning. Like, I just was like, oh my gosh, why does this have to happen? And I was kind of in that zone of like pre-cancer, you know, I was like, you know, I would have, it would have really bothered me because I would have been like, I mean, I kind of had thoughts of like, okay, I guess I'm never wearing a bikini again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was that bad and it was that just shocking and just awful looking. But once the baby came and once I started to actually deal with this, this um, diagnosis and what came up for me and what that looked like for my future, I started to really understand the difference between me staying in this like darkness of what, you know, this, the outcome could be the -hmm. doctors did tell me that I had to get blood work done every six months for the rest of my life. And that I probably would not live past 40. So just be prepared. And, you know, again, when doctors or, or people tell you certain things at that point in my life, I had not really been through enough self awareness, personal development, um, right. therapy, prayer, deliverance from the Lord, like all the things I needed to go through in order to really understand what, what my outcome was really going to be. And I knew that how I felt in that moment and that, you know, that, that death sentence that I had was not something that I wanted to own. And I did not like how it felt for me to tell myself these negative things and the darkness around that. What I wanted to do is be a healthy mom and you know, really teach, you know, my daughter how to be healthy and really learn what that meant. And so I I started really getting into health and understanding nutrition and understanding how our body is really, you know, we, we can re um, like our cells regenerate by what we put in our body. And I started to understand that like God created our bodies to thrive. And I did not want to take on that diagnosis. I wanted to learn how to rebuild a new body. And I knew that I could, I knew that I could at least, you know, rebuild my cells and just really start to redefine what I thought healthy was. So I was like the girl pre 26 that I thought healthy was like fat, free, sugar, free, low fat. And so when I really started to understand how food and just lifestyle mindset, nutrition, fitness, all of that could help determine, you know, how healthy my body was, I got really, really into it. I became certified in nutrition. I actually was super paralyzed in the kitchen. We were talking about this earlier. I mean, I was the type that literally 
but okay, there's no other way to say it. I, I would lie like when my husband's parents would come for Thanksgiving because I was so embarrassed. I didn't know how to do anything. And his mom was like, they're from Atlanta. And my his mom's like this oh, other, yeah. you know, cooking woman that, you know, she, she's a lot older from the generation of like the woman should cook, you know. And so my husband is an amazing cook and he would like lay out things for me. And, you know, have like things ready for me to like pretend I was prepared. I was that paralyzed. So I can really I need to talk to Gerald because he's an amazing cook and I'm I'm a bit challenged at this point um, in the kitchen. And he's never pretended that I actually made something. I, See? Like, wait, where's his loyalty? I need yeah. to talk to him about this. Yeah. I would be like, I was like, please, please. Well, that's because back then, you know, I was a complete people pleaser and I was kind of living for everybody else. Like this was, you know, again, pre-cancer diagnosis. Like I really didn't know who I was. I showed up how everyone wanted me to so mm. wouldn't leave me and they would still love me because that was my, that's what I thought love was. Like, that's what I really thought life was and who I was. Like, as long as I show up for her this way, then she'll still love me as long as I show up for wow. him. So that's where like the transition of my cancer story really changed me because I believe that God's plan all along was really for me to figure out who I was. And I didn't know who I was before. And when I was faced with a death sentence, I just remember being like, why am I pretending like I know how to cook when I don't, but I would like to find out how to make things more simple. So I can for myself, you know, <laughs> like that whole skilling up, like you can only have people do things for you for so long. And you yeah. really, you know, and believe that you can't do something, but you really can anything that you really want to do. You really can like everything is figure outable. everything. It's just like, what do you really want to do? And so yeah, I gotta ask you a question. There, like yeah. this is oh my gosh, this is so much. Um, hmm, this is so much because I remember being 25, 26 years old in the hospital, um, basically preparing for my first child to live and die in my arms after five hours. And just like you said, I felt relatively healthy. I, I had actually just been approved for like a million dollar life insurance policy where they had run me through all kinds of tests. And all this stuff. And to end up at that age going through such a um, medical trauma, right? Like that is so hard to grapple with. But it's one of those things that I, I talk about a lot here because for us, the first pillar of wealth is about becoming your best self. And it's about paying attention to your mental fitness, but especially your physical fitness. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I read is that you said what they found is something that you have been kind of scratching at for some time. Yes. And you just thought it was a bug bite. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, where else have I not been paying attention? Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. especially as women, we get so consumed with it could be people pleasing or doing whatever it is that we're doing. And I know that we wear so many hats and we take on so much, but sometimes to the point of our own detriment. Right. To the point of our own just not supporting us and not recognizing that. Without us, everything else stops, right? Like we are usually that cog in the wheel that keeps everything going, that keeps everybody going. And so when we're not taking care of ourselves or paying attention to the signs, the consequences are so much bigger than, than I think we even give credit to. Can you just kind of talk about that, that realization 
the moment that you realized that what you had just been scratching at was bigger than you thought? What what kind of was running through your head at that time? Oh, this little thing that I thought was a bug bite because I couldn't see it, see it, but it had turned half black, half hot pink. Like it was like emergency. This is stage three melanoma. And I feel like that's what happened to me in all the other areas of my life. When I started to be honest with what this brought up for me, what this brought up was this was the one thing that I couldn't hide anymore. I always say like all the other things that I tried to hide or that I was afraid of from my past was like a beach ball that I was trying to push under the water. And I was just like, okay, let me keep this down here. Let me keep this down here. Let me stuff this. As long as they don't see it, I'm just going to say I'm fine. And then they won't leave me and they'll still love me. If it comes to the surface, they're probably not going to like me or they're going to leave me because that had happened to me. And that's kind of what came up with this cancer diagnosis. In that moment, I just remember looking at, I was in this room and it was like, I couldn't escape. And I was like, Hey, can we just deal with this? Like after the baby, you know? And they're like, no, like you can't leave here without like coming to some sort of, you know, resolution here. And neither of these choices are good. Right. That was the beginning of my journey of saying, okay, why do you show up? And you're not able to fully be who you are. Why don't you know who you are? And why are you people pleasing and not living the life that you were created to to live? And it was because I was hiding. It was because of different things that had happened, you know, in my past, different circumstances or situations that I thought defined me because I'd really pulled away from, you know, who God created me to be because I was living in shame or fear. And I didn't know that. I really did it because... I was telling everybody I was fine and I was pretty much fine, I thought, but it was like this uncovered, like opened up all the wounds and all the hurts that I had been stuffing and walking around with saying I was fine, which eventually led to so much freedom. I didn't know that I was walking around with so much pain and shame and just chains basically stopping me from really stepping out. But once I started to really uncover, I had realized that the people that I had invited into my life, it wasn't life-giving to me the way I knew I could be a life giver, if that makes sense. Yeah. And God kind of like showed me that in, in this moment of such pain and darkness that there is light and that I, I wasn't meant to live in fear of people or fear of anything, that the light overshadows the darkness and that you know He came to give us that light and to give us the freedom to walk in who we really are And I just never was given permission for that. So I had hidden so many things or stuffed so many things or showed up however anybody wanted me to show up, which Mm -hmm. did not serve anybody, you know, especially myself. And so it really took a cancer diagnosis and that, that scratching of what I thought was a bug bite. It was kind of like reminded me over the next few years of all the things that I had been just pretending to be that I really wasn't or covering up you know, because I was so afraid. And it's just like, God is so good that he he did free me over time by bringing people into my life that just helped me to identify and see who I really was and just kind of awaken that little girl in me that was always wanting to live out loud and always wanting to just make an impact and make others feel really good about themselves that had been shut down. I love that you did have people around you to support you um, and to help you bring it to the surface. Cause that's what I'm really taking away from this 
is that your your you know analogy of the beach ball trying to push it under the water girl that is so clear it reminds me of like the whack-a-mole game you have you ever been to the carnival you know and you're trying to like whack these things down and like you hit it down and then another thing pops up and then you're like no you hit that down and then you're just going and going but there's always something under the surface that just popping up like, man, the ability to bring this stuff to the surface is literally the only way that you can live out loud. Like, it's yeah. the only way that you can become all you are called to be. And, you know, because we talk about wealth from a different perspective here, this is that time, you guys, where I really just want to drop in on the connection because, Brooke, I'm all, you know, I've been known as a personal finance expert, but I know sometimes people are like, what the heck do these conversations have to do with money? But this is the thing. How can you, to the point of your brand, right, live out loud and create the wealth you were destined to have if you will not bring to the surface the things that are really holding you back? That's why that that mental wellness piece that we talk about is so important because you might be chasing all kinds of things and you may feel like Brooke where it's like, you know, I got a great husband, I'm pregnant, I just can't, got out of school, I'm doing my thing, I'm starting my business. Like my life is, you know, going in the way that it should, but there's still things that you have to deal with. And whenever we don't, it always comes up at the most ridiculous time, <laughs> right? The oh, most yeah. inopportune time is when things start to hit because the whack-a-mole doesn't ask you when it should pop up. No. It, just, it pops up when it feels like it and in the hole that it wants to. What you're talking about, there's yeah. so many layers and then more open up. But, but what I always try to like encourage other people with is I remember when I was in it, because, you know, this has been like a 15 year journey. You know, it's always a journey, right? Like another level, right. another. But I remember being in, the, in just the trenches with this for a few years early on. And I remember the pain that I felt to talk about things that, that that I needed to talk about to uncover who I really was and, you know, like showing up fully me. And I remember it feeling so painful because I had been so used to showing up how everybody else wanted me to. And I thought that that was living. Like I thought that was success. But I really started to uncover this like sorrow inside of my soul and my heart that for so long, I really wasn't showing up as me. And I didn't even know who I was, which took me down another path of like shame because I was like, gosh, I've been wasting so much time and time is all we have. And, you know, I can't believe this. And I was upset and, you know, and I remember just feeling like, you know, this, this feels so bad that I I just want to stop. I don't want to like keep talking about this stuff. Like this is in the past. Like, can we just move on to the future? Like I've got a husband that loves me. I don't want to talk about all this junk in the past. And I remember just feeling like, like, can we just stop? And I remember somebody saying to me, really, like, how was it working out for you before? Like, how were you really doing? So I remember being like, I, like, I liked it before a lot better. I don't remember feeling all these feelings. And like, I was just doing my thing. Like, can we just stay in that zone? You know? And I remember the person being like, but were you really good? Were you really okay? Were you really fine? And like, how did that really feel? And, and really, when I sat back, I just started crying because I was like, gosh, it really didn't feel good, but I had covered up so much with these masks of like, you know, just saying I'm fine, just, which a lot of people do. But it really was crushing to me because I really didn't have deep connections and real relationships like I wanted. I really wasn't as successful as I wanted to be in business. And, and it was because I wasn't showing up fully me because I didn't think people would accept me showing mm-hmm. up fully me. 
And, you know, you touched on your story when I listened to you speak about, you know, your insecurities as a woman and how you felt. And I just, I think that's one of the heart connections that I had with you because nobody ever understands how we really feel about ourselves. And and Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily show people that side. But I had so many insecurities about my skin. Like I had fair freckly skin and I grew up in South Florida and I, all of my girlfriends, a lot of them were like Peruvian and like had this gorgeous like <laughs> skin. And I would lay out at the beach and put baby oil on me and go to tanning bed. And I know that that was a part of my diagnosis. I, I mean, I also believe that, you know, food and environment, you know, there's so many aspects to skin cancer, but that, I mean, obviously I did do the tanning beds and I did do the beach with the, the, suntan oil. And that was not meant for my type of skin. I had fair freckly skin. I still do some, some spray tans now because I do like to be tan. There's just something about it. That makes <laughs> I choose the organic kind, but I also am fine with my fair skin. It's just that, but that was actually one of the very first memories I had of, you know, kids making fun of me for my skin and um, just not understanding because I do know now, and maybe you can relate to this, Patrice, like, I know that not everybody is like this. And I know that this is a gift. I remember at such a young age, and I've always been like this. And this is my truth. Like, I actually can, I actually can see people's beauty, like inside their heart. Like I can see, I can find something beautiful about anybody. And I'm not, I really mean that. I mean, I lay my head on the pillow at night and I know my truth. And that is always right. the something that I can see and I can feel. And I remember at such a young age, not understanding why someone would make fun of me for that. And I remember feeling so hurt by it, but I needed to like cover it up. And then that turned into more things like, you know, I mean, my, my parents were divorced at a young age, got remarried, which comes with things. And then like just other things that happened just, you know, again, like I talk a lot, I talk too fast, like people calling me babbling brook or just those names that are yeah. put on you at a young age that start to make you feel like, okay, I, I should talk different or I should slow down or, um, okay, let me cover up my skin. And I think that that's why like, you know, it's like people can look at us from the outside now and see success or see happiness or see us with our husbands or our daughters. And, and, you know, I love my life now, but it's, you know, I didn't love my life until I actually gave my myself permission to, to be, because I had really hit rock bottom of going, okay, I can die. Like, let me figure out who I really am and show up again. And it's like, I was reminded of that little girl before I was told all of those things. And I remember the promises that I felt like God gave me to just be me. Like he created me. He created, you know, these parts of me that are really outgoing and, and happy and energetic. And, and I love people. I love to give women compliments. And I just remember praying that God would bring me women like me because for so long, I just felt so rejected by like even giving somebody a compliment. And then, you know, those women that you're around that are just quick wit and they know how to tear you down. Oh, for, girl. Like, and it's like, I don't even know how to play that game. And for some reason, a lot of my life, I was around girls or women like that where I could pretend for a little bit, like, okay, I could hang here. But then the minute they would do the passive aggressive, like, you know, quick wit, like tear down, yeah. whatever, I'd be like, my face, I, I'm the girl that like my face would turn really red. And like, I didn't have a comeback, you know, which <laughs> took you down another path of like, 
Okay. This is really yeah. So it's, yeah, there's so much there though. It's so true because until I started sharing openly about growing up feeling really ugly, even to this day, I have ex-boyfriends, you know, from throughout the years before I like got to the point where I could face this and go to therapy and deal with it. By then I was with my husband. So like, I'm talking like middle school, not real hardcore boyfriends, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. middle school, high school, early college. And they're like, why do you, why do you say that you felt ugly? No, you didn't. I'm like, how are you going to tell me how I felt? <laughs> like, I absolutely did. Or people from high school that are like, I didn't know you felt like that, but it's like, what do you expect people to do? Like walk around and be like, Hey, just so you know, feeling pretty ugly today. Like, just so you know, no, we wear all kinds of masks. We cover it up in all sorts of ways. I, one of my ways was being the smartest and, you know, doing my best to get the best grades and go to the grade school and all of that stuff, which there's nothing wrong with it. But the, the reason for it was not because I just the sheer love of education. It was because yeah. I was hiding behind the fact that I felt um, completely out of my league in terms of just what what I looked like and what my skin color was and what my hair was and what my what my mouth looked like and all these other things. So. I always felt like, well, at the least I could be smart. <laughs> like if I can't be the pretty one in the group, I have to at least be the smart one because just being the tall one yeah. is also pretty, you know, <laughs> defeating. Well, I think that's where my fun, like I always was like the funny one. Like I would, I would just, you know, make jokes and be funny, you know, and try to make people laugh because I was like, why are people so cranky and angry and, <laughs> and like mean? You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's why I fight for like, that with women today. Like I, I love meeting women like you and, and the tribe and the circle of women that we know, just like even like Lori Harder, I was inspired by your story. That's why I was like doing my, an Insta story saying, I get to do a pod swap. When I, I learned that word from you on the stage talking about how Lori, like, like, I don't know, it was just so endearing the way you spoke about Lori and how Lori is so life-giving to women and you know, women that surround each other and they just lift each other out with lift each other up without rivalry and just really highlight each other's unique gifts. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like I want my daughters to see that and I want to be surrounded with women like that. And I prayed and prayed, Patrice. Like I remember at one point just being like, God, can you can you please put women in front of me that are like me that actually want to love each other and build each other up yeah. in an authentic way, you know? And I, and I, I remember so clearly he was like, go create it. Go mm. they're out there, go find them. And I was like, let me send them to me, please. And I kept asking for him to send them to me too. So this is what happened. Immediately. I started to just, I said, give me eyes to see, ears to, you know, hear. And I just started like connecting with women, uh, you know, heart connecting and really just, I started finding them and I started building things with them. And then they started coming to me. It's like, I showed up in a different posture, believing for the best and believing that women really wanted this and could be like this. And even these little things that I'm telling you now, I don't even share a lot of, but uh, you know, I don't really share all the time, but I've made a promise to God that like, listen, if you bring me the women, I know it's scary for me to be vulnerable because women can take that sometimes. 
but I'll share everything and anything you want me to about any past shame or, or fear or anything that's happened. If, if you want me to just give me that moment. I don't want to be standing on stage necessarily talking about all this pain. I mean, that's what I've been saying the last 15 years. Maybe at one point I'll have to do that. But I was like, please don't make me do that. You know what I mean? But, um, and I do it in a different way. I'm just saying some of the really, you know, we all have like, you know, moments that we don't necessarily want to be known for, right? right? But I said, what I won't do is ever not stand for my faith and the deliverance that I felt like God had given me when I felt so defeated. And so I said, I'll spend the rest of my life making sure everybody knows the truth of what I stand for, because that's so much more important to me than living in bondage of making sure I'm telling everybody what they want to hear. And uh-huh. that's why I stand so strong. And that's why... I just, you know, love to highlight others and just from a genuine place because I know God's going to take care of the rest and he has and he does. And that's why, honestly, Patrice, you probably, you can understand now more why I got so excited to talk to you out in the hall because it was, it was also another confirmation of more, more women that even have bigger influence that God has just placed in my life that I'm just so excited for because I love women from all walks of life from that have influence that don't that like, and, and it's just, it's exciting to bring women in. And that's why I was so excited to introduce you to all of the people that I know, because I just think it's, it's so amazing when God connects us like this, you know, and I really, I, I totally agree. And I hear your heart for wanting to bring women together. I know you are like queen of masterminds. You have several um, different types and layers of masterminds. And I just started my first um, in December. So we launched Ooh. January 7th. And right now I have 14 of the most incredible women. Shout out to Mastery and Momentum. Yes, that's incredible. Honestly, just the other day I was on Insta Stories and I just had to take a moment and sit with how grateful I am to have attracted all of these amazing women into my life. Like as much as I lead the mastermind, I learn so much from them. I'm so inspired by them. I'm mm-hmm. so inspired by how they support each other. They've known each other now for, you know, just since January, but oh my gosh, it's like they've known each other 10 years. And, you know, my junior coach, Courage, and, and you know, the folks on my team, they're always like, what did you expect? Of course you would attract, you know, those type of women. And I'm very grateful for that. But to see in a, in a place where what's glorified are women throwing drinks in each other's face or women backbiting on social media. I mean, grown women, 40s, 50s that are like, just totally like, what are you doing, right? To know that that doesn't have to be the reality, you know, and that you can, like you said, you prayed for it and then you went out and, and you know, started to create it and, and then you started to attract more people. That's exactly how I feel like, I've never had huge issues with women per se. I've had my share of, you know, trolls and and people who just want to be nasty. And so I've decided that, you know, when people just want to be nasty, I let them be nasty by themselves. Like I'm just not <laughs> going to participate. But right. um, to be a container for women to come together and bring things to the surface because so much healing happens in these types of groups. And there's so much that's revealed to you when another woman is being transparent and vulnerable and authentic. And you're like, okay, this gives me permission to, to bring some things up and, and get some support. Um, how do you continue to 
take care of yourself so that you can hold the space for them. Yes, this is, I talk about this a lot. And in my mastermind, I, I feel the same way. I have 12 incredible women right now in my elite mastermind. And I just, I, I literally pray on a daily basis for their just, you know, favor, abundance, and just success in all areas of life. And it's, it, I feel so grateful to have these women. I know how you feel. And, you know, they're under your voice, basically, and your care during this time. And just to watch them thrive. Isn't it the best feeling? The best. The best. And so um, I, t- so in ours, you know, we kind of have, it's kind of an expectation to be intentional about self-care and about really, you know, showing up, you know, fully in that place to, if they really want to go to the next level in their life or their business or both, I do think there's an expectation that has to happen for self-love and self-care, which is what I share what I do. So basically for me, um, in order for me to show up fully like I do for everybody else, I, you know, people think I have so much going on and I'm, I'm all, you know, I have all these things. But what I tell everybody is like, listen, what you have to realize is like, yeah, I've got all those things. And I, I'm grateful every day for what I get to do because I choose it. Like nobody's forcing me. I'm not in a factory, like, you know, doing things that like, you know, working for somebody else and working these, you know, 20 hour days. Like I am literally doing what like I, I, I created and dreamed in my mind that I never even thought possible and I get to do it. And so what I do is every morning, so I always encourage everybody to wake up an hour earlier than they normally do just to make sure they have that extra hour for themselves. Now, before I usually get on the phone with anybody or start my work day, I typically have at least four to five hours just for myself. So yes, for me, that means that I wake up personally between 4 and 5 a.m. every day. Woo! I should say Monday through Friday. And I know some people think I'm crazy when I say that. But this is my deal. So I am not like this crazy early bird that's just like, you know, I know I have a lot of energy, but it's not like I just wake up, wake up like, I'm here. Like, this is awesome. It's 4 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. No. But what I do is... The reason why I choose between 4 and 5, it just depends on my workout that day. If I have to take my kids to school or if my husband's going to take them. But um, I need one hour, that first hour. And what I tell everybody, if you wake up at 10, wake up at 9. If you wake up at 7, wake up at 6. Just commit to yourself. Do it for 30 days and see if your life isn't different. And what I do is... I wake up and the first the first thing I do is I go I drink eight to sixteen ounces of room temperature water filtered water and I usually put a little ginger in there and some lemon and it just like refreshes my organs like it's just really good for you and I stretch and I just think about like how grateful I am I just sit in gratitude and I usually within that first hour I either do twenty 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 or thirty thirty depending on what I want to read or listen to. So I usually take the first 20, just drinking the water, like stretching in gratitude, breathing in, like, I'm so grateful to be here and be alive. Like, and again, it's not like I'm doing this for my cancer diagnosis 15 years. Like, it's not like every day I'm like, I'm grateful to be alive. Like, I don't, I don't live like that, but I'm more like, I wake up in the posture of, of gratitude, knowing that like, I get to choose my day today. And I've already out the day before me and I'm going to be grateful for it. Even if I feel a little tired, I'm going to pretend I don't because I'm going to talk myself into being so excited about that podcast I wanted to listen to or so excited about that book I wanted to read. And so I, I usually the next 20 minutes or 30, depending on what it is, 
I listen to, you know, I've already picked it out. I listen to a podcast or a book that I'm really excited about. So my mind is already in a place that I'm really excited about what that is. And it's always like something encouraging, life-giving, something of faith or business. And then I spend the last 10 to 20 minutes doing, I fill out, I actually use the High Performance Planner by Brendan Bouchard. I just got it recently. And all of my women in mastermind use it now. And it's actually, it allows you to just take your day. And so I do everything through my digital calendar, but I open up that, that high performance planner and it gives you some morning mindset questions about how you're showing up and how you're going to show up for all of your appointments. And you literally take pen to paper and put down all of your appointments that are digitally on your computer or your phone and you write them out, you know, hour by hour, whatever it is. And these questions allow you to really look at your day and really decide how your best and highest self is going to show up and how that conversation is going to go or how that amazing podcast is going to go with the incredible Patrice Washington and how I could show up, you know, to serve you in the best capacity. And, you know, I just really try to pray and look at my day and be intentional and excited. Even if like, listen, it's not like I'm walking around overly, you know, positive and excited. I have to, again, fight against those negative feelings or fight against maybe a painful conversation that I need to have or fight against whatever the negative would be. And the way I look at it is I already know the outcome if I think negatively or if I focus Mm -hmm. on the darkness or if I focus on, you know, the bad outcome. I already know what that's going to feel like. I already know where I'm going to head and where I'm going to go, what that's going to do for my day and long-term. So I just choose to look at the bright side. I choose to look at all of the positives in any negative situation or choose to look at my day like, gosh, I get to show up for these women that have entrusted me to help them go to the next level. They're really the ones that are magic. Like they're amazing. It's not me. I just have to like, you know, help remind them who they are so that they can go do them. Like that is, I get to do that. Oh my gosh. Like, and so I, I really self-talk like that to myself so that any emotions, you know, don't stop me from showing up. Like my emotions, like I was telling you before, don't run my calendar. I've already pre-set out my vision, my goals, And I'm not even a super organized person. I'm really not. I'm not a super, you know, organized, systematic person. I've I've become more like that because of all the things I have going on. And I've done it in a way that works for me. But like I said, that first hour is so important. And then I like wake up my kids. So I want an hour before I wake up my kids because I want to wake up from a posture of being really poured into already myself and being grateful and intentional about my day. And then, you know, whether I drive them to school or my husband, the next step is working out. And then I come back and shower and get ready for the day. So by the time I show up for my people, I am so ready and so excited because I've had enough self-care and self-time. And I I have no problem either like working really, really long, hard days Mm -hmm. for several days in a row and then taking a full day off. Or if I'm running hard for like three weeks, taking a week off, like I get to run my schedule, which is beautiful. And I think as an entrepreneur, no matter how many businesses you have, you still get to own that choice and you still can show up at a really high performance level and high capacity as long as you are aware of what you need to do to self-care and take care of yourself so you can kind of you know recharge and have that mental edge, mental clarity to show up for people. 
Yeah, I think that it's impossible to do if you're not going to, or at least to sustain, if you're not going to model whatever it is you talk about and really make that time for you. Like, I know there is a distinct difference between when I am am present for my quiet time. I call it quiet time in the morning. And I do do the same thing, an hour of workout in the morning and an hour of just gratitude or journaling Mm -hmm. or praise and worship, meditation. And I know the days that I don't do that, Brooke, I might be all right, but I'm not a 10. (laughs) Exactly. Like, luckily, (laughs) yeah, like, luckily, it's, it's such a part of who I am that I think every once in a while when it just doesn't happen because my daughter is on some, the dog ate the homework type of stuff. She wakes up with the situation, you know, and like ready to hit the ground. And, you know, for them, for the parents out there, I know that sometimes it's like, man, I'm barely, I'm barely getting to it. But I love that one of the things that Brooke said was about defining it for yourself. And, you know, if you can't start with an hour, say you're going to start with 20 minutes. Say you're going to start with 30 minutes because I wasn't always an hour plus like, but I did understand the importance of having a morning routine and setting up my day to support me being my best self. Right. And so being able to think through what was going on and set the intentions for the day and just have those moments of gratitude and, you know, offer a prayer or meditate on a, on a word, especially if I was feeling anxious or worried about something. Um, when I meditate, when I say meditate, I mean, meditate on the word. So I'm not like a meditate, like, Oh, clear your mind. I don't know how to do that, but I know how to take a scripture and go all the way in on that thing. (laughs) Just like stop at this. Can we just talk about this for one second? Because I am just so grateful. You said that it was actually something I wanted to mention because I know that we're in the world of, of, you know, meditation. Everyone's talking about it. And I love that you said that because I do always love using words like meditation that people can relate to, but I do believe that biblical meditation, I mean, that's what I use and it really does. It's founded in in truth and it's, we really do rid ourselves with distraction. Um, When we start with biblical meditation, there is such power in the word, living, breathing word. And one of the verses that I meditate on a lot is, well, really Joshua, the whole Joshua one, five through nine is all about, you know, God not forsaking us or leaving us and being strong and courageous and getting a refreshing, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's just so much in the word that we can meditate on to be strong and have courage. Sometimes, you know, just waking up with that fear, you know, successful people, you know, I really feel like we, you know, we can meditate on the word that we've been given. And it even talks about in verse nine to be strong and courageous and be, I think it even talks about being prosperous. Mm. So just a little, um, you know, verse, I just think that that, that helps my emotional and mental well being because I never want to claim again, like when I mention all these things I do, I never want to be unrelatable. Like, Oh, I could never do that. You know, again, mm. It's one of those things where even the night before I set an intention and I start to get excited about my morning. I ask, you know, God to wake me up with supernatural energy. Like I just like put it out there like, hey, you want to help wake me up with some supernatural energy? I'll take it. (laughs) And again, not every day is perfect, right? Like never. But, you know, that fight against I do believe that we can choose how we show up and what we decide to believe in business and in life, you know, completely agree. 
Well, Brooke, the way that we end the show here is by me asking you some redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. How do you define success? Freedom. Like freedom to really show up fully you and live the life that you want, like fully. Love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Emotional abundance. Ooh, that's good. That's a first, Brooke. Really? Yeah, that's good. I like that. Emotional abundance. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? I have to say it's it's actually not a, a money book, but the book Without Rival from Lisa Bevere. It's not necessarily a, you know, a money mindset book, but I use this in business with all of my women in business because she talks about your unique gifts and not living in rivalry with each other. And I believe in order to create wealth, if you're talking about, you know, emotional wealth, like we've been talking about, but even wealth, you know, money mindset wealth. I believe that you really have to show up first and understand that you're uniquely created and you cannot live in rivalry in comparison with other people. And I Ooh, really I love that. I know it's a little different than maybe. <laughs> no, I don't. It's to me, it's like wealth is not just money anyway okay. for us. So I love that. We're on the same page, girl. Yeah. We have a podcast episode called The Power of No Comparison. And like that just ties in so perfectly. I love that without rival. I got to look into that. Oh yeah, she's amazing. And that looks incredible. Awesome. Okay, here's the last one. This one is fill in the blank. So you're going to say, my name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. Mm. Okay, my name is Brooke. And the truth about wealth is it's possible for everybody. I love it. (laughs) I love how I have all of these thought leaders and authors and six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs on. And so many of you guys say the exact same thing that it is. Yeah. And I love it because I, I want the audience to always remember that God is no respecter of person. It's like, are you going to follow the pillars? Are you going to follow the principles? Are you going to keep making excuses for why it's not for you? You know what I mean? And it's literally, you know, I know that there are different challenges and we have listeners who are listening from all over the world. But I I also have to stress that you're here. So there's purpose, right? Like there's something that you are supposed to be doing in the world to create impact and inevitably income and inevitably just have whatever wealth it is that you desire. And some of it just starts with knowing that it's possible for you. And not making it a those people over there, but that it's possible for you. If you're listening to this and you can hear my voice, it is possible for you. And Brooke was just another layer of confirmation for that. So Brooke, I appreciate you being here so much. I'm so glad that we are connected. I just feel like I've known you forever already. I know that there's a long way to go and there's so many different opportunities. I pray that we have to support each other and to do some cool things together. But thank you so much for spending your time with us at Redefining Well. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I just really honor who you are and I just am grateful. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it too. And 
I'm just excited about the future just to get to know you more as well. So thank you. Okay, didn't I tell you this was going to be a good one? Oh my gosh, Brooke had so many nuggets. I think that visual that still just keeps coming up for me is pushing down that beach ball under the water. And the truth is, in order to heal and really step into who we're called to be, we have to be willing to bring everything to the surface. And I felt like that was so good. And another great nugget that I'm really taking away amongst others is When she said something like the truth of what you stand for is so much more needed than telling people what they want to hear. The truth of what we stand for. And I know for so many of us, it's hard to be bold and radical and take that stand and be willing to be unapologetic about what we believe in or what we say we stand for. But if you truly feel like you have a call to help other people heal, and to lead folks in transformation, you really don't have time to sugarcoat. You really don't have time to be very gray or vanilla or stay in the middle, you know, kind of straddling the fence. I always tell my clients in my program, Purpose to Platform, I'm like, you have to take a stand and be okay to be polarizing. It's okay for people not to like you. Like you have to accept that that that's a part of it. And sometimes even the people who don't like you, you have no idea what seed you're still planting for them. You may not be the one that gets to see it grow or cultivate, but just knowing that you planted that seed and maybe created a small rift in some of their belief system or things that they've been carrying for a long time. Sometimes it takes being the one who's willing to take a stand and not just go with what people want to hear. And I applaud any of you that are taking that stand now, personally or professionally. And those of you that are trying, I know that it's not easy, but it is so necessary. And I just want to keep encouraging you to to find the strength to do that. It's definitely about finding the strength to do it. I would love to support you too and hear your story. So if you want to become a purpose chaser, make sure that you come on over to IamAPurposeChaser.com. It is our completely complimentary community for the Redefining Wealth podcast. And you can share your stories. You can share your struggle with this. You can share where you need support. And I guarantee you that there are some purpose chasers from all over the world, at least a few who will jump in and rally around you to support you. So Definitely, definitely keep that in mind. And again, make sure that you reach out to our sponsor for this podcast episode. Don't forget, check out Doreen Rainey's RadicalSuccessCertification.com. If you are a life coach who is looking for a proven system to follow, I'm telling you, Doreen is the one. So check out RadicalSuccessCertification.com. All right, so that wraps it up for this episode. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.